This is Miss Georgia Peach, and you're listening to Underground Opolis. everybody but most of you that know me personally know I'm an early punk enthusiast and my guest today man probably one of the most important and most influential bands of all time rocket from the tombs if you haven't heard them they've they split off the form of the saucers they split off form paraboo and and of course the dead boys and Yes, they're they're the big influential part of the of the punk punk era. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. How you doing, Rob? This is Craig Bell here. I'm calling you from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. How's everybody today? Well, how did a how did Rocket actually come together? I joined Rocket in. Uh, in 1970, early, late 1974, uh, I had been playing, I had just come back from the Army earlier that year, and uh, I had been playing in this band called Mirrors in Cleveland. And Peter approached me uh, probably late summer, 74, and said that uh, he had started working with David Thomas, who everybody knew around town as a, he was a columnist and, uh, and a writer for a local um, weekly newspaper. But he also was doing bands and stuff like that. And he had this band called Rockets from the Tombs Doo-Wah Death Band. And they uh, opened for, I forget who it was, UFO, somebody like that, uh, and, and done some shows like that. So they were established kind of doing uh, parody songs and covers and things like that. Uh, but I guess when Peter Walker joined the band, he and David wanted to take it in another direction, so they started looking for other players. And that's when Peter approached me, and I came down and joined up with them. Uh, we started playing uh, in the fall of 74. We did our first show right after Christmas, and uh, by November of 75, a year later, we were broken up. Yeah. But uh, it was a hell of a year, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and that Stiff No Compromise No Regrets movie, I don't know if you watched that yet. Uh, I think Jimmy Zero joked that Stiff said, said he broke up the band. Well, <laughs> that's possible. That's possible. <laughs> Stiff came around towards the, uh, towards the latter part of the band when we were sort of – what we had done was we had made this demo tape 
the, it was basically a challenge that Peter had thrown down to the local record station in Cleveland, the local radio station, I'm sorry, local radio station in Cleveland, uh, challenging them to put local acts on, on the radio. And they finally told Peter, all right, you bring us a tape. Well, so we made this tape, and uh, we brought it down to the station on a Sunday night, sure enough, true to their word. They played the tape. Uh, after that, we got some shows, uh, some pretty good shows around town, open up for uh, stuff like that, and started getting you know kind of a buzz thing going. And uh, Peter had known uh, Lester Bangs for some time, so we took the tape up to Michigan to play for Lester, and he loved it. He thought it was great, and he was going to help us out and and take it to some producers and record people and things like that. Well, that next level, they they sort of weren't enthusiastic, let's say, as Lester or we were about the stuff, and uh, that sort of took the air out of our balloon at that point. Being young guys and everything, we and not really we didn't have any management or anybody an older voice to sort of keep us together. We just did what young people do. We started accusing each other of, you know, you're the problem. No, you're the problem. Now, you can't sing. You can't play or this, that, and the other thing. And right around that time was when Stiv was hanging out with us. And uh, he didn't so much as break up the band. He just happened to be there when it broke up. And from the ashes of that is when him and Stiv, uh, him and Cheetah got together with Blitz and started uh, playing with what became the Dead Boys. Right. So te- right. technically he's right, but not really. <laughs> uh, he said he was joking. You know, of course, the, Stiv was a big clown. <laughs> Stiv was fantastic guy, man. I mean, he was great. That's, I loved hanging out with Stiv. He was a wonderful guy, a really cool dude, a lot of fun. Now, you've heard the stories, you know, and they're all true, too. I had, even Even the ones that aren't true, they should be. <laughs> the night just wasn't long enough. Yeah. No, but I miss I miss Stiv a lot. He was a great guy. Yeah, such a tragic ending. Just like Peter Lochner's another tragic. Yeah, that was very sad. I I had moved away a year. I had moved to Connecticut and uh, was starting playing music out there uh, a year before that, before Peter's passing. And I I was very sad to hear that. Um, we got a call one one night from a friend of ours that told us what happened, and it was just uh, it was really hard to take at the time. And I really felt I'm very happy these days that Peter is starting to get the due that he deserves um, through people writing books and, about us and him and uh, Smogvale putting out that box set of his stuff. It really gives people a chance to really hear what Peter was like, and he was just he was. Such a great talent, and it's such a shame that he never really got to express that talent more than he did. I always thought he was the singer, but I guess I'm wrong about that, aren't I? <laughs> well, he was a band leader. I mean, he had his own, you know, he, he, he fronted his own bands and was the main singer in those bands. But in Rocket, uh, really the, the three singers were David was the lead singer, then there was Peter and me. Yeah. And... Uh, that pretty much were the singers in the band, but David was the primary singer. Right. Yeah, I thought. I honestly thought everybody sung in the in Rocket there for a while, but the more I'm preparing and for for this interview, so I was like, oh man, I was wrong about this and that. And that. 
Well, I mean, later on, you know, when we reformed, uh, Cheetah was singing, but I don't remember Cheetah wasn't singing anything back in the day in 75. But uh, right. later on, like from 2003 to, to uh, the present, yeah, Cheetah was singing, I was singing. Uh, I think even Richard uh, had a song there for a while in Rocket. Well, ask Craig Bell, like, if you ever saw anybody on stage or on TV or something like that, and you said, you know what, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a musician. Who, who would that be influence be in that? You can, you can have more than one answer. It's okay. Just, just like anybody else, you know, the, the world turned from black and white to color the day I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan's show. And, uh, you know, everyone's told that story a million times, how that changed everything. Well, it's true. I mean, that, that really piqued my interest. But what really made me decide that I wanted to be in a band was one Saturday afternoon in, like, uh, I think it was the summer of, like, 1965. And my friend Dave and I uh, went to the movies, and we saw um, the Jerry and the Pacemakers movie called Ferry Cross the Mercy. Uh-huh. And I don't know if... You're familiar with Jerry and the Pacemakers? Well, listen, oh, yeah. they were another band that was managed by Brian Epstein, and they were from Liverpool, and they had a couple of hits. Uh, but And they weren't so much, you know, such a great rock band. It was just the whole thing of the watching the day in the life kind of thing of them. That movie, for some reason, that afternoon, we sat there through that movie all afternoon. And on the way home, we both just looked at each other and said, I want to be in a rock and roll band. And so that was really, that I can point to as the beginning. Now, it took, that was 1965, it took six years because I didn't join Mirrors until 1971, and that was the first band that I was in. I had previous to that, since I really, I didn't have, I didn't play an instrument. Uh, Well, nobody wanted a trombone player, let's put it that way. (laughs) <laughs> it was not sky, then. Man. <laughs> uh, well, not in my neighborhood, no. <laughs> but uh, but but uh, it took it took a while, and also my father was kind of like um, not a big fan of that kind of music. So as long as I was living at home, I wasn't going to get a guitar. Uh, but once I graduated from high school and got off on my own, that's when I started looking around. That's how I hooked up with uh, Jamie and Jim and uh, and joined their band Mirrors in 1971 and pretty much been doing it ever since. What is uh, What would be your favorite show you ever played? Wow, there's so many. I mean, there's There's some that mean a lot to me personally. There's some that... Means something. I remember one of one of my favorite shows that always sticks out in my mind is the first time I played Max's Kansas City in New York City, because that's where the Velvet Underground had played, and the Velvet Underground to me was another one of the reasons why I was involved in playing music and writing songs because I loved that band so much. Oh yeah. So playing on the stage at Max's that was that was a big deal. Um, gosh. Uh, uh, first, first time I opened for a major artist. We opened for Iron Butterfly. That was that was oh wow, kind of kind of like you know a big deal kind of thing. But most of the shows, I mean, shows to me the shows some of the shows I love more than anything else is when you go somewhere where 
where people where where a lot of bands don't go. Some of the small college towns, some of the towns out here in the Midwest, like Lafayette or Logansport or Champaign, Illinois or Carbondale, Illinois or what have you. And you go to a town and you play, half the people there, they're not even, they're just there because this is where you go on a Friday or Saturday night. But there are other people there, you know, to see you or to see another band that's playing on there. And those people, they want to be entertained and they aren't really, you know, um, judging you as, as, as your success in terms of, oh, this isn't some big record star. This is just somebody's coming here to entertain us. Those nights are some of the best nights because once the party starts in those kind of places, man, it just it just keeps on going. And it's just so much fun to play in front of people like that or just they don't know you from Adam, but you have reached them through your music. And uh that's that's some of the best shows. Uh another one I uh, one that meant a lot to me was I did a, a a record store day up in Michigan a couple of years ago and got to be on stage with John Sinclair. And that meant a lot to me from his days with the MC5 and the White Panthers and all that whole Detroit thing. You know, meeting John was just really, really a a, a great moment for me. It's funny you brought up Logansport because I'm literally wearing a Stewart's Rehab Bar at Logansport, Indiana t-shirt, right? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there. I I played, we played this bar in Logansport one night, and this was after they had banned smoking in most places except like CFW halls or some of these small town bars. And this place was just like, we walked in there and it was like, whoa, you know, you just see the haze of the air and you're just, and by the end of the night, you know, you're just, you're just stinking of smoke. And I think to myself, all the years that I played in bars where, People smoked all the time. I never noticed this. But now, you know, get a couple of years away from it, and all of a sudden you get back into that environment, and you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But they are a lot of fun. I mean, man, oh, some crazy times. Well, here's the counter question. What's your least favorite show you ever played? I love this. The question. ones, the ones, the <laughs> ones where we didn't get, the ones where we were told we were going to get paid and we didn't get paid. Those are the ones that stick out in my mind as as not being the uh, the greatest nights. Uh, but there weren't too many of those. There weren't too many of those. Most nights, uh, it's just. Uh, I mean, how can you how can you not be having a good time when you're out right. among people who just just want to have a great time and you're playing music and you're just you know you just letting it all hang out. Well, uh, lost my place here. <laughs> well, uh, since it is my show, I get to talk about my favorite songs, which, God, I've struggled with this one the t- last couple of days. I was like, do I ask him about Waiting for the Snow? Do I ask about, <laughs> about Ain't It Fun? Do I ask about, <laughs> do I ask about Keep You in a File? <laughs> I, I really like the black record a lot. I've, you know, well, thank you. I, I found it on YouTube Music. <clears throat> I find it. I was looking. I was looking for more rocket stuff other than mm-hmm. the, the the early recording or the day the, the day the Earth that rocket rocket from the tombs. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to that a lot. I was looking for other stuff. I sell souls a great song. Um, 
So I don't know which one yeah, that, has, has the best Firefly, story. The, uh, you're talking about um, I Sell Soul, which is off the Barfly album, which I feel is a really great record. I mean, it was it was a weird record to make because we were we were making this record of new material. This was what, 2000. I think we started in like 2006 or 2007, and uh, we really didn't know what the reception was going to be like or even what we were going to come up with. But we got together and we came up with that record, and it's just now that in looking at it, you know, 10 years down the road and things like that, I'm just like, man, that's just some amazing stuff. And I really love a lot of songs on there. Like Butcher House 4, 6 and 2, I Sell Soul. Right. Even Romeo and Juliet is just, it's it's sort of like, it reminds me of the band. It's just like the song, is this song going to fall apart or is it going to make it to the end? And it makes it. <laughs> I was very happy for that. Six and two is another great one, man. <laughs> yeah, six and two. There's there's a great video that a friend of ours made uh, for that song that's on YouTube from a show we did in France, and it just uh, it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful video. But what was waiting waiting for the snow? Is there a cool, cool story about behind waiting for the snow? Because that, that I, I got when I first heard it, I, I think I played that song like fourteen times in a row or something like. That. <laughs> Those songs we, we that was a strange uh, way of making a record because we sort of all made it um, in parts because everybody was living in different places. We weren't always all together. We came together to write the album over a couple of sessions. We would come to Cleveland. Um, I was in here in Indianapolis. Richard was in New York. Cheetah was in Nashville at the time. David was in England. And uh, we got together a few times without David and a few times with David to work on songs, rehearse stuff until we got basic songs. Then David took these demos, took them home, put words to the songs. Then we got back together. We went into the studio and started recording our parts. And even then, when we were recording our parts, you know, some people were there, some weren't, you know, so, so it was a very, very different situation. Uh, speaking of which, um, the room I'm sitting in right now is, the, is in the basement of my house here in Indianapolis, and it's uh, my rehearsal space. It's a small room. But down here, David came to visit um, one time, and we sat here. He brought his recording deck and the bass lines for the song Spooky on Black Record were all recording exactly where I'm sitting right now. Could even be, could even have been sitting in the chair I'm sitting in right now. And we recorded that stuff right here. So every time I hear that song, I just think about sitting here in this room with David and, and that night and us working on a bunch of different ideas for songs and things and him recording a lot of that and a lot of it ending up on the finished record. Yeah, and that record is just as rocket as anything, anything rocket from the teams has ever done. I can say I, that, man. I agree. And Gary and and Buddy playing guitar are just red hot on that record. Just fantastic stuff. So good, and you never know. I'm glad I always, you like it. Thank you. I, I always thought Rocket 
you know, and compare, like, of course, the Dead Boys did, you know, Ain't It Fun, and Sonic Reducer, what's the other one? What Love Is, and I'll... I well, well, they kind of changed, they changed what love is around a little bit. No, wait a minute, no, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm Never Gonna Kill Myself Again. They changed oh, the lyrics, yeah. but used the melody to that one. That's right, they did do What Love Is. It's been yeah. a while since I listened to that record. I gotta, I gotta drag that one out and give it a listen. Well, I can't find it for like under fifty, sixty bucks. <laughs> like, really? Wow! I wonder what shape mine is. I got, I got one upstairs. So I have to check what kind of shape it's in. <laughs> I'm, I'm an eBay watcher, but I've, I've, I've been addicted to eBay since what? Is it 1999 or something? <laughs> I'm horrible about being on eBay. It's just, but, one of the one of the guys in in my band here called me up Saturday, and I'm I am uh, whenever somebody goes to a record show, I always I always tell them there's this one record I'm looking for, and uh, and they if they see one, they always call me back, and it's always what it is is it's, it's that two fur that Capitol Records put out of the first two Sid Barrett albums, and I mean I have the imports, so I always had the imports. I got CDs, I got. Sid Barrett coming out of my ears, but I don't have that particular record. So it's just like last Saturday, Phil calls me up, hey, Craig, I got that record here, but it's like $300. And I said, oh, I'll bet it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. But I always kind of thought the the rocket versions of It's funny because you have a song called I Feel So, but I always thought there was what? Even though it's punk or it's rock and roll, it's almost soulful the way the way it's delivered. Which what always differentiated with the others other bands to me, which still is great stuff. Yeah, well, our you know, I mean, back in the back when we were active first around, you know, the whole punk thing hadn't quite happened yet, and we were more molding ourselves around like the Detroit sound. And, and the, the sounds coming out in New York and stuff like that at the time, the Velvets, the MC5, you know, that kind of stuff. That, those were our heavy influences. So we were trying to come from, you know, taking those influences and made what we made. And uh, then all of this other stuff came after that, and then we were sort of, sort of being pulled into that orbit, but we didn't think of ourselves that way at that time. We thought of ourselves as a rock and roll band. I remember when we were making Black Record, David sitting around going, you know, we really should be like Foreigner. We should be, you know, making records like Foreigner. And I'm going, okay, well, does that mean we get to tour like Foreigner, too? <laughs> You've toured pretty extensively, haven't you? We have. We have, but uh, maybe not as uh, in high level of luxury. But, yeah, we've got a lot. <laughs> Well, the, the real thing about you is sleeping in your van and stuff. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just sold a van that I've had for 10 years that we've taken from coast to coast and all, I mean, just all over the place. Ken the Wonder Van, he was, it was a great, I slept many a night in that van, me and, me and everybody else in the bands. Uh, it was a, it was our home away from home, but you're right. I mean, being on the road, you know, surfing couches. Sleeping in in see well, hopefully getting some sleep in some seedy motel somewhere or something. Yeah, it's oh. been. I have not. I the show that I'm doing next Wednesday will be the first show that I have played in two years. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while since I since I've been out, but I'm hoping that uh, getting out here more this summer and uh, and get around a little bit more, get back to get back to what we've been doing for the last few years. COVID slowed everything down for for a lot of people, yo. You know. Yeah, it sure did. Recording we made back in 1988. It's my friend Carrie Miller, um, my wife Claudia Bell, and myself. And this song is called UBU. And it's the only song that I've written in my life specifically about a person. And I wrote it about Claudia, my wife. And uh, it means a lot to me, especially right now, because she's uh, she's got some health problems. And... Um, and she's unable to, to play with us anymore, you know, because she played for, I, her and I played in bands together for a number of years. And she had just been getting back into it here in the last few years when uh, she took ill along with our friend Carrie, who just passed away a week ago. So uh, right now, to me, that song, UBU, is the song that means the most to me. Right on. When was... When was room, the room in my head released? That I put out. I was. I finished that album early March 2020, and was getting ready to, you know, uh, shop it around, see if I get some interest in, in maybe getting, you know, getting a label interested in putting something out. And the world stopped. Of course. So, of course. So, um, I. Uh, decided at that time I just put the tracks out on on my Bandcamp page and I just sort of let it be because I just figured that I, I didn't you know just like everybody else didn't really know where all this was going and everything and uh, of course there was no places to play at that time and any tours I'd had some tours set up for that year with uh, with my band with Claudia and Carrie the Rhythm Methodists those were all canceled I was supposed to tour with the Canadian band Simply Saucer that summer out west, and of course that's still on hold even till now because we don't know when the guys in Canada can get visas to come back into the country. And uh, so let it sit. And then about a year ago when things were starting to loosen up a little bit, I made a few CDs through CD Baby, which uh, that's the one that I sent to you, in in case of you know getting a show together or something, have something for the merch table, and uh, that is uh, pretty much where it stands now. This will be the first shows that um, be be uh, having that available at the table. But that was an album that I made uh, in 2019, 
started out and just really the first time that I, I just went in the studio with like three songs and wrote the rest of it while we were in there. And it, uh, I think it came out great. I'm, I'm very proud of that record. Well, I can't wait to hear it, man. Well, you I'm, got I'm interested to hear what you think about it. <laughs> you got anything you want to add in, plug in before we wrap it up? Website well, like I said, when, when will this be broadcast? It'll be a few weeks. Oh, okay. So I'll forget about, about promoting the show then, huh? <laughs> well, I'm going to have a show. I'm, I'm going to be back at the, I'm going to be at the Melody Inn in May. Uh, so anybody in the Indiana, okay. Kentucky area who wants to come up to the Melody Inn, came, they know how to get there because they're all coming to see you, right? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can come right back up and see us. Hopefully I'll be back down in Louisville soon. I've played, uh, down there at, uh, at the Mag Bar at, uh, Kaiju uh. and, uh, Oh, there was this other place that uh, our band Deason played downtown. There was a guy that used to have a place downtown right off the strip where all the clubs are by Muhammad Ali Boulevard and all that. There was a place right around the corner, and I can't – oh, the Dive Bar. That was the name Third of it. Street Dive. <laughs> Third Street Dive, that's it. Yeah, we played there a couple of times. That place was a blast. Yeah, I hosted <laughs> the open mic there for two years. Nah, we uh, – we – were uh, standing outside loading up. This was this band that we had here in India uh, some years ago called Deezen. And it had members in it ranging in age from me down to our drummer was at the time, I think she was like 21. So there were uh, young, uh, all age groups running up to the old man here. And we're standing outside, this couple of uh, military guys uh, just hang out, you know, bar hop, and then they start talking with us, and they're looking at the, us loading our gear up, and they look at me, and they go, what is this, a family band? <laughs> like the Partridge, what are you guys, like the Partridge family or something? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I hosted the open mic there for two years, man, at the third three oh. time. <laughs> we had some fun, we had some fun there. Um, yep. I really like, I really like playing at Kaiju. That's a really nice place. That's a nice I place. Was, I was just at the Magbar last night, just there. <laughs> friend, friend of mine's band from Evansville, Indiana, came over to play there, and I said, "Well, better go oh, see wow. that." Yeah. Well, I certainly hope I certainly hope I can get down there soon. Uh, I love playing down, love going down that way, and uh, would love to be there. Well, we'll see what we can do about that. Cause I might All know right. a person or two. <laughs> All righty. Um, yeah, I know guys. I know for a couple of people too. We should compare notes.